0: Good morning. Glad you're all here to worship with us this morning. And I would, uh, I just realized this is um, Mark McAlpine's last week with us, so I wanted to let everybody know that, look back there and saw him. But he has taken a position as Director of Ministry Resources at New Life Community Church in Pismo Beach. And so he is glad that the journey of the last two years is over. He, is, he has a job, and they're going to go to that new adventure. But I would like to uh, pray and ask you to pray with me. God's blessing on the McAlpines as they head out. Father, we come before you. We thank you for Mark and Jennifer and God for... Uh, The way they love you and they want to serve you, I I pray God that you would really bless them as they move out to do the to do the work that you have for them to do there in Pismo Beach, and I I pray that God you would just help them to just all the details, the place to live, meeting new friends, um, getting established in His work, uh, Mark's work, and I I just pray, God, that you would work uh, to clear the way for them and that you'd help them to see uh, exactly the steps they can take to to bring honor to you in that way, God. I, I again, ask your blessing on them and their lives. I thank you for uh, the last several years, uh, beyond the years that Mark was on staff here. I, I just thank you for their service, their kindness, and the blessing that they've been to us. And so, Lord, we, we give them to you and ask you to, to work in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, I, sorry, I wasn't anticipating that. I don't know why. I knew it was Mark's last day. Um, but they're going to suffer in Pismo Beach. What can I say? <laughs> it really isn't their first choice of where they'd want to live, so they actually are following God to Pismo Beach, but it's really good good thing that God's cleared that way for them. All right, let's dig in. Oh, I'd like to ask you if you would, before we get started, take the connection card in the program and fill that out. We haven't got to that yet in the in the day. If you could fill that out, if you're a regular, just your name and email would be great. If you're a guest, as much of that connection card as you're comfortable filling out, we'd love for you to do so. And then place that in the offering later on. As I walk through the message, as I wrap it up, there will be some ways to respond to the message and then some ways to let us know you'd like to participate in different things that are going on later on when Alex brings those up. We're heading into a series called Living in the Zone. I was mainly a baseball and football player in high school, but I did play basketball as well. And the coach talked me into playing my senior year, and I, he probably regretted that. I'm not quite sure how it all worked out. But in basketball, we've got March Madness coming up. When a guy is in the zone, he, you it know, feels like nothing can go wrong. I was a shooter. There's, there's shooting guards. There's actually a position. Shooting guard. And I was a shooting wherever I was on the court. It didn't matter. I, I was shooting forward, shooting guard, shooting center, shooting half court. It didn't matter. I like to shoot. And if a shooter feels like he is in the zone, he thinks he can't miss. Now he actually can i've seen it happen (laughs) but when you're in the zone things are going well life is good it's all coming together and we're looking in this series at key steps that we can take and patterns to develop and commitments that we make in order to 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 bring to get in the zone where god's blessing is it actually exists here on the earth now we we live in a world full of trouble, we really do. It's it's. It, it, Jesus told us that it was going to be full of trouble. It is full of trouble. We we deal with trouble, all the time, but we long for a place where there is no trouble. I mean, there are songs that come up every once in a while about it. Like, I'm sorry for this, but the only one I could think of today was Kokomo. You know, Aruba, Jamaica. We want to go to Kokomo, get there fast, and take it slow, because it's going to be great in Kokomo. That's why we want to go there. (laughs) Well, we come up with these different... The other song, I thought it was Hakuna Matata, which is worse. But, um, you know, no worries. A Trouble-Free Philosophy. That's Hakuna Matata. And we, we have these songs, because... There's this longing we just want we want it to be trouble-free. It doesn't matter if you have a trouble-free philosophy; you aren't going to avoid the trouble because it's it's a part of the life that we deal uh, deal with. And I think there there are a couple reasons why we long for the trouble-free life. First of all, God gave us a built-in desire for eternity. He He gave us this desire and. We long for a place where we're connected to God and it's just trouble-free. We long for that. God built that into us. It's wired into human beings. So we look for that. That's what we want. Man, we're, we're really into that. The other reason, I think, or one, one other reason is the world wasn't created to be like this. God didn't originally design the world to be full of trouble. This is, this is not his intent. The world has fallen into trouble. Listen to Romans 8, 20-22. For on, for on that day, thorns and thistles, sin, death, and decay, the things that overcame the world against its will at God's command. So see, there was, there was a day, there was a time when these things entered the world. They overcame the world. And that was when the first man and woman rebelled. Humankind rebelled. These were the consequences of our rebellion against God. Thorns, thistles, sin, death, decay. The world is in a fallen state. Theologians call this the fall. And so it's not, the world we live in is not the way God intended it. The trouble, he never intended that. We still see his majesty in creation, we can sense his power. We, the, the world still reflects who he is and the, the characteristics of God. He's all-powerful, all-knowing. All he, he's, he's an amazing God, and we can still know enough about God from creation that we start searching for how this all came together. But the world we live in is, is fallen. It's in a fallen state. Going on in the passage, um, all of those things will disappear. The thorns, the thistles, the sin, the the death, the decay will all disappear. And the world around us will share in the glorious freedom from sin, which God's children enjoy. We, We long for that. We want things to be made right. For we know that even the things of nature, like animals and plants, suffer in sickness and death as they await. This great event. So, we're all dealing with stuff <clears throat> that God never wanted us to deal with. Thorns, thistles, those weeds in your garden that grow faster than the stuff you'd like to grow. Uh, all of that stuff, not, not intended by God. God didn't intend the world to be the way it is. And there will always be trouble, but in the midst of the trouble, we can find God's blessing. And the picture you get in Scripture is that God wants the hassles, the frustrations, the, the trouble that comes from living in a fallen world, he wants that to drive us back to him. He wants the consequences to, to help us, search, to, to draw us to search for him and set our hearts to get right. So that we can begin to experience his blessing. The Lord is hoping that the trouble turns us, turns our hearts to him. God wants us to step into the zone of blessing. There, there is a, a zone which is the realm of God's favor. And we'll never get rid of all the trouble in life. But you can experience God's blessing in the midst of all the trouble. Today we're going to take a look at what it takes to get into the zone. And a first step into it in this series. There are key factors in life. There are key arenas, things that we deal with that determine whether or not we're in the zone and can, and in the heart of the zone. So today we're going to look at our relationship with God, the key factors in that. Next week, our finances. The next week, our relationships. And then finally, the relationship to the overall church body and, and how we live in the zone in that way. In the zone, there are both Tangible blessings and intangible blessings. Our needs are met in the zone. There's some tangible blessings that you find in Matthew 6:31-33. You can read that, but basically it says you put God first, and there are tangible results. You get what you need. You get the clothing and the, the food and the things that you need to live. Not always our wants, but you you have what you need. You put Him first, He provides. That's tangible. There are also some intangible blessings. We find wisdom, knowledge, and happiness in the zone. Ecclesiastes 2 says those things go to the man who pleases God. Now, we we pursue all kinds of things to be happy. It's sort of the theme in our lives. I just want to be happy. You know, you're, you're frustrated, you're struggling, and you try to put things together. Oh, I just want to be happy. It's kind of what goes on in our hearts and minds. If you're if you love somebody and they're having a tough time and you're trying to help them and you're 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 trying to help them work through some some struggles, what what do you tend to think and say? I just want them to be happy. Your parents say that all the time. I just want them to be happy. Well, it turns out happiness is a gift from God. That he gives to people who please him. It's a gift. It's not something you can pursue and grab a hold of. It's sort of like trying to get a hold of mercury. You know, that stuff in thermometers. You know, it's just you can't. It's slippery. You can't hold on to it. You you pursue happiness and it slips through. But you pursue God, the scripture says, and you set your heart to please him and you find happiness. There's some intangible blessings that come in the zone. We experience peace in the zone. Isaiah 26, 3, you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. I like, there's a translation of this passage that says, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed, S-T-A-Y-E-D, stayed on you, fixed. I don't know about you, but I have a lot of inner commotion going on in my life. Since I've been an adult, I can hardly remember a day going by where I didn't have a lot of inner commotion going on. I've had a few times when I've fixed my hope on God and fixed my mind on Him and experienced peace. And that's, that's where it is, the blessing, the peace. That's, that's one of the intangible Blessings that you find in the zone. Um, we, we deal with stuff. We, we have that inner commotion. It stops when we put our trust in the Lord. And I, I don't know about you. I've got to fight for that. I've got to just, oh Lord, this is, I don't know how it's going to go. Here it is. I give it to you. And, and when you get to that point where you can really trust God with it and fix your hope on Him, you find the peace. That's one of the, The intangible blessings in the zone. To stay in the heart of the zone, we must keep choosing to live life God's way. Jeremiah 7, 23. But I gave them this command. Obey me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Walk in all the ways I command you, that it may go well with you. I don't know what you've heard about God, but he wants life to be good for you that's why he has given all the direction he's given in scriptures that's why there are the commands that's why there are the principles because he wants things to go good and he's described in scripture this zone and what it takes to live in the heart of the zone and obedience is one of those you build your life on the ways of god on his principles and his ways he wants to make life good for us. And he's been clear about how to get in the zone of blessing and how to stay there. Obedience is the key. Now, there's been some devastation in Chile due to the earthquake, and I was watching an interview. I'm sure we've all heard about that. I was watching an interview with an, a government official from Chile, and he said, we will be looking for the people who violated the building codes of those huge buildings that came down. Because in Chile, they have these kinds of earthquakes on a more regular basis than we do. They, they had the strongest earthquake of all time in 1960, 9.5. And then this one was 8.8. So they're expecting the earthquake. So written into their laws are the... Uh, principles that say look you got to build your building a certain way or it's going to come down when it comes crashing down it's going to do a lot of damage to, to people and to our resources so we've got to build in a certain way this is what god's saying here if you want your life to go well you have to build it in a certain way and you should build it expecting the trouble you should build it expecting the storm jesus said Almost the same thing. He said, whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is building their house on a rock, on a solid foundation. When the storms come, it will not crash. It will not. He said, it's going to withstand the storm. And so that's a part of living in the zone in the world that we live in, not the one we'd like to live in yet. But the one we live in, it's building on a solid foundation. So as the trouble comes... You're sturdy and strong. Here's something else. Outside the zone is my way. You see that clearly in in Scripture. Isaiah 53, 6 says, We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Now, all of us have lived outside the zone, and we're used to it. It's normal out there. It, life life is normal outside the zone. It's, it's hard to believe sometimes that life inside the zone is possible because we all have this stubborn streak to do life our way, and we do life our own way, and we find ourselves outside of that zone of blessing. Listen to uh, Jeremiah 18. Now, therefore, say to the people of Judah and those living in Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says. Look. I am preparing a disaster for you and devising a plan against you. So turn from your evil ways, each one of you, and reform your ways and your actions. Look at what they reply. But they will reply this. They will say this. It's no use. We will continue with our own plans. Each of us will follow the stubbornness of his own evil heart. I have my ideas, my opinions about family, career, finances, decisions I make, education, my business, whatever it is. I have my ideas and it's easy to get stubborn when you see what God says and what God thinks and what God wants. We hold on to our own ideas, to our own hurt. Outside the zone is my way and there is no blessing on my way. There's no blessing outside there. God God steps back. If you want to go on your own, God lets you go on your own. That's fundamental part of being human, is God gives us the choice of how to, how we're going to use this resource he's given us of life. Whether or not we're going to relate to him, whether or not we're going to follow him and obey him, he's given us that choice. Isaiah 48 says, this is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you. Who directs you in the way you should go. If only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would be like a river. Your righteousness like the waves of the sea. God gives us freedom to live outside the zone, but there is no blessing out there. Don't wait. We shouldn't wait until we're thinking and saying, if only. If only I'd have done it God's way. I'd experience the peace and the righteousness that flows out of that. God is gracious. And if if you're out of the zone right now and life's you're just the consequences are hammering you, you can get into the zone by turning to God, admitting that you've been doing life your own way and asking him to to lead you, to be your lord, to be your leader. And as you do that, God is gracious. He wants your life to be good if you continue to follow him step by step then life gets good. To stay in the heart of the zone, we, we must keep choosing to trust and obey. Obedience is evidence of your faith, turns out. It's evidence of your trust. You know, on a playground, at least the boys, they've done studies. The girls are kind of huddled together talking on the playground, uh, usually. And boys, this is a scientific study. Don't throw anything at me, please. Um... But the boys, they do things like they're sitting around and one guy will say, you know, I can do a a one-and-a-half with a double McTwist off the swing set. I did it the other day. And then one guy hears that. The crowd's going, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. And then one guy goes, prove it. And that's when the guy has to attempt the one-and-a-half with the double McTwist off the swing set. Or, you know, he's labeled for the rest of the day at least. As a coward, he's got to prove it. Faith is something you can't see. The way it's proved is it shows up in obeying God. It shows up in obedience as you choose to do what he said in the word. That proves your faith. And this kind of faith pleases God. This is the quality of faith that you find in the scripture. You can't live your life without putting your faith in someone or something. Either yourself, you're going to put your faith in yourself and you're going to do it all on your own, or you're going to put your faith in someone else, or you're going to put your faith in an idea or a a way of thought or a pile of resources. You can't live life without depending on something. You put your faith in someone or something. Well, the kind of faith that you find in the scripture is a faith in God where you trust your life to him. Hebrews 11:6. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. God gives. Remember, he gives blessing. He gives happiness, wisdom and knowledge. He gives those intangible blessings to those who please him. You please him through faith. That's, that's a, that's a key, that holds the key to the zone, is our putting our faith in God. Faith is believing to the point that you act on your belief. That's the, the faith it's talking about. You actually trust to the point that you believe Him. I heard about a guy one time, a, a tightrope walker, who had a crowd gathered and he was walking across, walked across the tightrope a few times. You know how they sort of build to the, the main Event at the end of their act that they're going to pull off. Well, he's walking across the tightrope, and then he grabs a wheelbarrow, walks across the tightrope with the wheelbarrow, going back forth, going back. The crowd's going, ah, this guy's amazing, ah. And then, and then he says, "All right, how many of you?" I just blew the story. I haven't blown a story in a long time. (laughs) Pretend that you didn't hear that he walked across the rope with the wheelbarrow. (laughs) <laughs> and what he said was, how many of you believe I could walk across the, the rope with the wheelbarrow? And they're like, Aah. okay, now we're back to the story. Aah. And they're going crazy. And then he says, okay, who's willing to get in the wheelbarrow?" So, That's the puncher. I just ruined it. You prove that you believe the guy could walk across the rope with the wheelbarrow by getting in the wheelbarrow. That's the kind of faith the Bible talks about. When it says you put your faith in God, that's the kind of faith. Jesus, this word here that Jesus uses, they asked him one time in John six, what must we do to do the work, the works God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this to believe in the one he has sent. That word believe is getting in the wheelbarrow and letting him go across the tightrope, letting him take you through life. You trust him to the point where you're willing to act. And it shows up when you hit intersections and crossroads in your life where there's my way that I've always done and there's God's way. And it's clear. I see what God wants. You choose God's way because you're trusting him to come through. Trust and obey. It's living life God's way. That is the key to being in the zone of blessing that God's provided. There's a step for new believers to take that demonstrates trust. Baptism is a first step of obedience in the zone. I'm going to talk about baptism a little bit this morning. And if you've been baptized, maybe this will help you understand how to explain it to other people because it's not it's not a normal it's something churches do. So it's not always normal. But I want to look at what it is, what the meaning is behind it and if you haven't been baptized and are considering it, maybe this will help you uh, with that decision. And if you have been baptized and you try to explain this to people, maybe this will help you do that. That's my hope. Uh, Jesus gives a visible test of obedience in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Then Jesus came and said to them, he's talking to his disciples, the 12 guys that he was counting on to, to get the movement started of Christianity, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus lays out the goal here. Not just to appreciate his ideas and the poetic value of his teaching. But the goal is to take his teaching and obey it and live it out, to live by it, to build your life on it. And the pattern you see here is you become a disciple, you're baptized, and then you begin to obey. So you you establish a relationship with him, and then you follow through to obey. He's asked us to be baptized. That's what we do. Baptism is a very practical step. You can see it. It's something you do. You know whether or not you've been baptized. And it's, it serves as sort of like a wedding ring. This is a tangible symbol that I made a commitment to my wife Cindy 30 years ago, 30 plus years ago. It reminds me of that commitment. That's, that's one of the things that baptism does in our walk with the Lord. It reminds us, you know if you've done it or not. If you're serious about following Christ, you take that step of baptism. It's a little embarrassing and humbling. You get wet, your hair gets all messed up. Mine doesn't wouldn't you know, have not a lot happen to my hair, but you know it's it's a little embarrassing. It's humbling. But you do it because Jesus asked you to do it. He he asked us to take this step. It's a beautiful thing. Once you once you work through it and, and are baptized. The order is, become a disciple, get baptized. So it follows your commitment to Christ. I, I was baptized twice because I faked it the first time. friend of mine, I was younger, heard that a friend of mine was going to be baptized. And so I knew what I had to do to get baptized. I didn't want him to beat me to the punch. And so I went through the motions, the religious stuff you have to do, and I got baptized. Well, about four or five years after that, God started speaking to me in my heart and I knew, oh no, I was faking it. It was all a sham. And now I'm still in the same church. I've got to admit to this group of people that I was, I was a hoax. And so for several months I wrestled with this decision that, you know, I know, I know it needs to be I need to make this statement to these people, because that's a part of coming to Christ, is you make a public statement. It's a private decision. I mean, a personal decision. It's not private. Christianity is not private. It's personal. But you make a personal decision to establish a relationship with Christ, and then you go public with it. And so I'm wrestling with it, and I finally said, okay, I don't care how humiliating this is. God, I've got to get right with you. I faked it the first time. And so I genuinely committed my life to follow Christ as Lord, and then I was baptized again to follow that commitment. So I'm pretty experienced in this, as you can tell. In baptism, what you're saying is this. All of my previous religiosity was not enough to connect with God. Only trusting in Jesus and obeying him is enough. The kind of trust that will lead to my obedience. That's, that's, that's the only thing that counts. And this was a pattern when the church started. Jesus gave this command to the disciples, and this became the pattern in the churches, in the the people that came to Christ through them. Acts 2.41, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. People believe and get baptized. Believe and get baptized. You see that all through the book of Acts. This became the pattern. It's a personal decision between you and God. Nobody can make that decision for you. You can't go on the family plan just because your family's Christian. You don't become a Christian. It's something between you and God, but you live out that personal decision in public. This is a very important part of your relationship with God. Staying private or keeping it private weakens your faith. We need the support and the help of the people around us. The word baptized literally means to dip underwater, to immerse fully in water. Now, why do we go to the trouble to find a place to do this or to put together the things to to do this? It's, It's a lot of trouble. And the reason is because baptism is a checkpoint on how you're going to handle the rest of the commands of God. That's what it's designed to be. It's a checkpoint. A little embarrassing, a little humiliating. You've got to push through some things to do it. But it's a checkpoint. How are you going to handle it when God tells you to forgive? Are you going to struggle through that and forgive? How are you going to handle it when he, he says to be honest? Are you going to work through that when you don't want to be and choose honesty? It's a checkpoint. Baptism is a, a checkpoint. It's designed to be toward the beginning of our walk with him. And... It's going to tell us how serious we are about following Christ. We don't want to be casual in our commitment to the Lord, but careful. Listen to Luke 730. We don't want to miss God's purpose for us. If we're not careful, we can miss it. Luke 730. But, but the Pharisees and experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. They were hanging on to their religiosity. They were hanging on to uh, their own established religious plan. And they wouldn't let go. They wouldn't humble themselves and admit they needed to change and express that through baptism. The zone lies beyond the water. Many times in Scripture you see images in the Bible about passing through water to the blessing of God. That's what happened with the people of Israel, God led them out of Egypt. They passed through the Red Sea, and they ended up in the Promised Land. A lot, many times it's through water, and and that's that's how it is. The zone of God's blessing lies beyond the water. Uh, Jesus said in John 13:17, "Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them." In James 1:22 through 25, it's clear. The blessing comes in the doing, not in the thinking, not in the feeling good about what Jesus said. The blessing comes in the doing. That's why we've designed the growth groups the way the way they are. Because growth and blessing comes as we look at Scripture and we begin to take steps to follow God in practical ways, steps that you can see. The blessing comes as we trust and obey. And baptism is evidence that you're going to keep taking those steps. It's the initial step that says what your walk will be like to a great degree. It's an initiation, uh, not intended to be a graduation. Sometimes we feel like we've got to clean ourselves up but to get baptized. But it's an initiation, not a graduation. It's the mark that you are a follower of Christ, like a brand on the cattle ranch. The cowboys, they used to say, uh, I ride for this brand. And the brand, uh, tied to the brand, was the way that ranch does business. This is the way we are. Baptism is a brand. And it's like, I'm, I'm one of Jesus' people now. I'm one of his followers. And I'm going to do life his way from, from here on. Here, here's the core question in your relationship to God. You, you may be considering it, knowing him, committing your life to follow Christ, or maybe you're, you're just new to it, or maybe you've been walking for a while. But this is a question that keeps coming up as you follow him. Are you going to be a follower of Christ who balks at his commands? Or, when you're told to obey, will you be careful to do so? Will you walk? That's the question that keeps coming up. To live in the zone, I must adjust my heart and life to what God wants, to his desires. We're going to be taking our offering, receiving our offering in a few moments. I'd like to ask you, if you would, to take that connection card. There's some next steps on your listening guide and on the connection card. If you'd like to take one of these steps, let us know on the connection card and we'll, we'll help you. To support your decision, and we'll root for you. And it's a way, as the offering comes by, you can mark the next step and put it in the offering. When it comes by, as a way of making that commitment to the Lord. Um, first thing you could do is memorize John 13:17. Jesus said, "Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them." As you get into Scripture and you understand more about God's ways, you learn His principles. The blessing comes in putting them into your life. If you don't do that, you're outside the zone. You never get in the zone of God's blessing. Second step, for the first time, I will follow Christ. I will trust Him and obey. Maybe you've been considering that and you're ready to do that. If if you're thinking about it, you have questions, get your questions answered. Make it a priority to get your questions answered. Ask God to prove himself to you, to show himself to you, he will do that. He he will help you to know him. He wants you to. He's rooting for you and I to live in the zone of blessing. He wants life to be good for us. He really does. Um, third step, I need to stop going my way and keep choosing God's way. Maybe there's an area, maybe there's something going on in your life, and you know you're still living in your way, my own way. I'm still living my way in this area. I want to give that up and choose God's way. And and get in the zone or stay in the zone. And then a final step, I will be baptized on May 2nd. We're having a baptism. So I, I will be baptized here at CIV. That's a final step that you could take. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we wrap up. Jesus, thank you for sharing the truth with us so that we could know how life really works, so that we could build our life on a solid foundation. As we see how you work and as we understand your ways and your principles, God, it's, it, it's hard to believe sometimes that the blessing is there, but it is. As we follow you, we experience it. We know it. And I, I ask for the power that it takes, God, to step into the zone of blessing and to stay in the zone of blessing. And in the midst of all the trouble, not to get distracted, but to realize that you want it to go go well for us. And if we'll obey, it will. God, we ask for your help in this. And I pray that you bring your blessing on us as we set out to follow you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.